It's good to be back with you, and I want to begin by a few announcements to uh, uh, loop us in to some of the things going on in the life of our community. Uh, The first is that you should be getting uh, an email uh, kind of in your inbox every Wednesday, sort of updating you on um, how the church will proceed during this time as we feel out the situation week by week. Uh, If you're not getting that, uh, we need you to email uh, the church office so we can add you to our constant contact list so that we can do a better job of staying in touch uh, during this time. Uh, The second is you should be getting um, e-bulletins, sort of um, things going on during our worship live stream on Sunday, so you can follow along at home and be aware of what we're going to be talking about uh, before we gather uh, digitally on uh, Sunday mornings. And uh, just to let you know, we're also working on a children and youth um, spiritual formation grow hour component. We'll have some more information about that in the coming uh, weeks, hopefully, as uh, we seek to partner with some stuff that the United Methodist Church at large is doing uh, so that we can support our families during this time. I want to talk about a way that you can continue to support uh, Chapelwood um, as we uh, gather digitally during this time. Uh, The first is that you can reach out to folks who are in your uh, Sunday school class, or in a small group or, or grow hour. Um, and, and we need you uh, as an individual to call folks and just check in with them. Say, you got enough toilet paper? You got enough bread? You got enough milk? Really, to be caring for one another during uh, this time. The second thing you can do is to continue to financially support the church. Uh, the, the live stream is not free. We still have staff and we made commitments to, to pay our uh, preschool workers even though we are not having um, students here. I think that's a, a way that we can support folks in our community as they are uh, struggling. And so we want to encourage you to continue to support uh, the church financially. You can drop by uh, the church during the week and drop your offering in uh, the little mail slot there on the door. Um, I check the mailbox very frequently during the week, and so there's no uh, chance that they'll get lost in or anything. We can take care of that. Also, the third thing you can do to support your church during this time is to be in prayer for us as church leaders. I know that we really covet your prayers. In particular, we need to make very difficult decisions um, on a continual basis, week by week by week by week. Um, If you could pray for us, I'm asking for it. We certainly need uh, direction during this time. So to begin our worship together, I thought we'd begin with a prayer. Then we'll hear uh, from the lectionary reading out of the psalm. We'll hear a song, and then we'll uh, hear a sermon, and we'll close together with some uh, time of prayer. Uh, During this time, if you feel led, uh, uh, you want to pray for something, whether it's a joy or a concern, I want to encourage you to enter that into the chat window uh, right there on Facebook, and we'll be uh, praying alongside you during this time. But together, let us go to God in prayer. God of mercy and compassion, another week has passed, and the news is dizzying, and we are uncertain of who or what to trust. We hear competing narratives And our leaders worldwide are desperately trying to guide us through these strange, scary, and uncertain times. 
As we gather once again, we are reminded that while we don't always know who or what to trust, we can place our trust in you. As we gather once again and we wait further direction from our governors and presidents and leaders, we are reminded that you led the Israelites out of Egypt, that you led Joshua and David to victory, that you led your people through exiles and famines, and that you led your disciples and planted here on earth the church, which is your body. As we gather again in these strange and scary and uncertain times, God of mercy and compassion, we ask that you hear the cry of your people. Amen. This morning our scripture reading is from Psalm 130 from the New Revised Standard Version. Hear these words. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in this, in this word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who are watching for the morning, more than those that are watching for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all of its iniquities. May God bless this reading of God's holy word. Amen. Houses? Houses? Anyone? Houses for sale right here? Oh, hi kids. Uh, my name's Casa McSellens. I'm a, I'm a house salesman. It's, it's nice to meet you all. I've sold lots and lots of houses. I've sold really big houses, and I've even sold some of those tiny houses that look like they belong in an Ikea commercial. Well, anyway, I just wanted to say good morning to all of you. Hey, I, I sell lots and lots of things, but you know, there's some things that I just can't sell. You know, I'm wondering if you can help me out. Can I sell, can I sell a ball as a house salesperson? No, because a ball isn't a house. Can I sell a pterodactyl? Well, uh, not really. A pterodactyl isn't a house either. Can I sell a roll of toilet paper? I mean, we could sell a roll of toilet paper right now. Lots of people could use it. But no, I can't because I'm not a toilet paper salesperson. You want to know something else that I can't sell? I can't sell a home. You know why I can't sell a home? What do you think is something that makes your house into a home? Yeah, I think it has to do with the people who love us 
who are important to us and spend time with us in our house that make it a home. Have you ever heard anyone call church God's house before? People do. They say, you can't say that. This is God's house. But that's enough about the pastor's vocabulary. Calling a building God's house, that's kind of silly. See, wherever God's people are, people like you and people like me, that's where the church is. God's church is our home because we are God's loved ones. And if we're in a building or not, you kids, you are still a part of God's church. Will you all pray with me? Just let's do praying hands and praying eyes and repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for making your church so big that it doesn't need walls. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Oh 
that we'd have faith to What if your healing come through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray If a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near, what if trials of this life, the rain, the storm, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? remember my home church and I lived in, uh, grew up in, raised in Greenwood, Indiana. And you would drive down Olive Branch Road towards State Road 135 and it was this little wooded winding drive. And at one point in time on the drive you'd go over this bridge and there's this little creek that would uh, roll underneath the road. And I remember as a boy loving that drive on the way to church. And I would tell my friends that we were going to church. Uh, I remember my family would say, let's get ready to go to church. And church was this destination. It was this building, this place, the little white steeple, um, little red brick building. I remember that very, very vividly in my mind. I don't think it was until high school when I was having a conversation, maybe with my youth pastor, I don't recall who I was talking with, but I was talking with them and I had this realization that the church was not a building, but it was a people. And my mind was like blown. It was this uh, idea that my, my concept of church was originally about this big. And then when I realized that it was the people, it just blew it wide, wide open. Now these past few weeks, 
uh, as we have been dealing with uh, the coronavirus and talking about how do we do church, it has certainly challenged my concepts of what church is. I know what the church should do, but as we talk about like, well, what in the world is church? That became something that I was wrestling with anew all these past few weeks. So as I began sitting with that, I realized I had to sort of preach on the church. And our passage this week comes out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Hear these words. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Now there are a lot of uh, places and spaces in the Bible that use this word church, which raises a question for me, what word is that? It's all over the book of Acts, which we will do well to remember that the book of Acts is like Luke part two, right? You have the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, Luke authors his gospel talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, and he continues the story in Acts about the disciples coming and figuring out how to do church. So this word church in the Greek is ekklesia, and it's a kind of a combination of two words squished together, kaleo, which means to call, and ek, which means out of. And so they're literally this word, this means like calling out of something. You can hear these Echoes in the Old Testament covenant of Abraham, where God says, I will be your God and I'll bless you. And God calls Abraham out of his home country for a blessing. God calls Moses out of slavery to lead his people out of Egypt You can hear these echoes in the Old Testament stir up again and again. As the Jewish people gather together in their communities, and the Old Testament talks about how they would gather in synagogue or gather for temple or gather for worship, that word also is translated as ecclesia or called out ones. They're sort of gathering to stand apart in their time. They are called together by a proclamation of the gospel in the New Testament. It's the disciples who are called out, right? You will remember the stories. They are fishermen, and Jesus calls to them and says, Come, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus calls them out, and they are called together 
to do church, to be church. Notice, right, that in all those instances, it is not a building. It is not an institution. It is not a 501c3. It is not a country club. They are a people brought together by the Holy Spirit, bound through Christ for the proclamation of the gospel. They stand together in covenant with God and for God's promises for all of humanity. That's what the church really is. That's the root of the word. People who are called out. It's not a little red brick building with the steeple on State Road 135. It's not a little church building in downtown Houston or in Lake Jackson or Angleton. It's not. The church is a people who are called out. And so as I, I think about that, if that's what it is, I wonder what new language we can use to talk about church. And maybe it's not really new language. Perhaps it's recapturing language that the church has always had through time past. So I want to talk about these three words that I think can help us grasp what the church does and is and who we are as a called out people. The first is mystical. The second is universal. And the third is local. Mystical universal and local. The first is that we worship with believers of all ages past. We enter into the stream of Christian history, and that is an entirely mystical experience. To think about that we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, and that we will lay the way for the people in the future. That as I went to seminary, I read from people like St. Augustine and Origen and Thomas Aquinas, people long, long, long dead who influenced my heart and mind and soul and spirit. I began to experience Christianity in light of who I had gathered with in all the ages past. When we gather for communion, we proclaim that we gather with all of heaven, all the saints. We gather together and worship together. It's an entirely mystical experience. If it's strange for you hearing these words, it is strange. That's why it's mystical. It's not magical. It's just mystical. It's hard to explain sometimes, but this is what the church does, is what it is. When we gather for prayer, you can imagine them interceding on your behalf. I imagine my great-great-grandparents still praying for their great-great-grandbabies, interceding on our behalf. I had a, a great preaching professor when I went to Southern Methodist University. Her name's Dr. Alice McKenzie. And during all of this, she, she posted on her blog, the title is, The Room is Never Empty. As I stand here and uh, share this message with you, I'm preaching to a rather large sanctuary with empty pews. But I'm reminded that the room is never empty. 
that the Holy Spirit never leaves us, that God is closer than we can ever imagine, that people ages past, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that gather in every Sunday as we proclaim the gospel and are reminded of the goodness of God week in and week out. That's what it is for the church to be mystical. The second is that the church is universal. I know that uh, your Facebook feed is probably blowing up with churches going live on Sunday, and it is a great proclamation and reminder that just because there is a ban on public gatherings does not mean that the church stops being and doing the church. The church is universal. Doesn't matter if you live in Louisiana or Florida or New York, church is still going to happen and it's all gonna happen together on Sunday as we gather together universally. The Catholic church has banned a lot of gatherings in Italy, which is one of the hardest hit places during the coronavirus, but they still gather for prayer spiritually together. We are universally bound by this huge God that cannot be bound by a virus or a state boundary or rules and regulations. The church is universal. We share commonality in the sacraments together through our universal baptism and the sacrament of communion, in the creeds, in prayer, and even in songs that we sing. We're universal in that way. The third way and uh, word that we can use to talk about and describe church, I believe, is to realize that the church is also local. So it's mystical, it's hard to define, it's universals, and it's so much bigger than just our context. And paradoxically, it is also here. It's embodied, it's real, it's now, it's actionable, it's here where we are. It is local. It's what we do here in Brazoria County. Church is how you conduct yourself when you're at the self-checkout line at HEB. It's how you connect with your neighbors during this uncertain time. That's how we act like the church. It's how we proclaim the good news. It is the expression of Christ's body here at Chapelwood. Each local church is the expression of Jesus Christ and miniature. I think that's beautiful. It's, it's mystical, it's universal, and it's local. And so I want to return to that passage that we read earlier. In particular, that last verse, verse 26. The last sentence there I think is very interesting. It says, so it was for that an entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Antioch became this place of change for the early church. It became an identifying marker in who they were. And I wonder what coronavirus is going to do to the church. I wonder if in the future people will say it was after coronavirus 
that the church recommitted itself to actually doing what the church was supposed to do. And if that'll become a marker of our identity as a people who are called out. Friends, we are at a a crossroads or a moment in time, and if it was unclear to us three weeks ago, it is crystal clear today that the church is not a building, that the church is not an institution, and that you cannot cancel church. The church is the body of Christ called together to do the work of God in our lives day in and day out. So now more than ever, we need to understand that we as Christians can't play at this whole church business, that it involves our whole selves, that we are co-participants with God as we participate with God and God's kingdom breaking into our lives and in our community. And so, I think what's left for us is to live this reality out, is to play it out in our lives, play it out in our communities, play it out in our homes, play it out in our workplaces, digital as they may be. And so may we love our neighbor, may we care for those who are sick and dying, And may we continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ in the proclamation for the world. And may we proclaim that in the midst of all uncertainty, one thing remains crystal clear, that Jesus is still Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As we continue our worship together, we come to a time of prayer, and I want to encourage you to type your prayer requests into the chat window there. We'd be happy to pray alongside with you. I'm going to offer a pastoral prayer. We'll leave some time of silence for you to pray at home as a family or individually. And then together, I want to encourage you to join me as we close with the Lord's Prayer. And so together, let us go to God in prayer. Compassionate God, we continually gather as one body this day. Our gathering is stronger than a building because we gather in spirit together with one another. We still feel each other's presence even in our own homes, on our walks, on our trip to the grocery store. Lord, we ask that you continually be with us. Remind us of your presence in our lives, that you are nearer to us than any virus. Lord, today we pray for the world. We pray for our state. We pray for our city. And we pray for our families. Lord, we lift all of these things up to you.
Gracious God, we lay all these things at your feet. With the boldness of children, we approach your throne and pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.